Champion Church listeners, this is Camberly, your beautiful, silken-voiced worship singer. Obviously, my husband wrote this copy. And this is the second message of the Stretch Mark series, entitled Reaching the Goal. In this sermon, Pastor Samuel outlines the difference between our goals and the objectives God has for us. We can get so focused on accomplishing our own aims that we often forget that God has a purpose for our lives as well, to save the lost for His glory. We should strive to align our goals with God's goals. Only then can we be truly fulfilled. Take it away, Pastor Samuel. All right, let's get on your feet, everybody. Come on, stand up for a second. Stand up for the reading of the Word this morning. I'm just going to do something different. It just feels like a different day, man. God is good, amen. My dad's here. Praise Jesus. Pastor Cliff, he's been preaching for about 400 years, man. Love him, like Moses, Methuselah, somebody. Let me, let me read this word to you guys as you're standing up. I appreciate you being obedient. You know, when you got the microphone, you pretty much do whatever you want. It's pretty awesome. Not really. Philippians 3.12, Paul says here, Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Someone say Goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Someone say amen. Amen. Listen, there is a goal in this life for your life. Someone say amen to that. So what we're going to talk today about is is stretch marks, but there there is strength in the stretch. and, And God is allowing us to understand that as he's growing us and stretching us and we're building strength in our lives. It's for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Amen? There is a goal in your life that God has given you for you to respond to and say yes to and not be sidetracked by anything, any desire, anything that's not of him. You are not to be sidetracked from the amazing plan of God for your life. Someone say amen. Paul, the apostle Paul, understood that this morning. He understood that in the Word of God, and it's telling us today that each and every one of you is very important to the kingdom of God. And I'm looking at all of you. You can't can't go, no, that's not for me. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're going to run this play together. You have a goal in your life and a purpose. And today, by the time that we're finished, I want you to understand what that is and how to apply that to your life, and then I want you to get busy doing it. Can we just do that? Can we make this as simple as humanly possible? Right? Jesus didn't call us sheep for nothing. Which sheep are kind of not as smart as other animals, dogs, man's best friend. Owls. That's right. Hey, uh, I'm going to pray and then I want you to sit down. And, And before you sit down, just smack your neighbor with the love of Jesus. Don't hit them too hard, but hit them hard enough so that they know that you really love them. All right, but let me pray first. Relax. I know you're like raring to go with both hands. Just relax, everybody. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you. Speak to us your word, your truth. Let it set us free. Let it be implanted in our hearts so that it would grow. And and, and, and Lord, as we water it, Lord, you would do great things in and through us, Lord. Let us produce good fruit, not bad fruit. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you this day. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Smack your neighbor and sit down. 
I love this church. It's like a full contact church. You know what I'm saying? Full contact. Hey, I'm so thankful that you're here, even in the back row. I'm thankful for all you back rowers. You know what I'm saying? Pray. Look at that. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. I can't even see you, but I love you. It's awesome. I believe the Lord has a word for us today, and we're just going to dive right into this. Is that okay? Um, I want to tell you a quick story before we get there, though. Um, I really believe today is about goals. The, the, the title of my sermon is Reaching the Goal. You can write that down, tweet it, text it, whatever you want to do. Um, you can uh, just understand this morning, it's all about reaching the goal, and Paul understood that. Let me tell you a quick story. I was younger. My brother was a rock climber. Any, any rock climbers in the place? So, uh, oh, great, a <laughs> bunch of you. Um, so we would go rock climbing a lot. We'd go to Mineral Wells. We'd go to Dino Rock in Arlington. My, my brother helped build Dino Rock when it first started, you know, decades ago. And so we were there working out one day, and my brother was uh, kind of belaying me, which means he was at the bottom, and, and he was holding the rope as I would climb up to the top. And so I'm climbing up to the top, and because my brother is so encouraging, he was yelling at me, hurry up. What's wrong with you? There's holds everywhere. And so I'm trying to, trying to get up on there, and I'm trying to do my best. And I'm finally almost to the top, and I'm, I'm kind of crouched down. Let's just pretend like this is the top, right, this little thing. And I'm crouched down, and I'm almost there, and my legs are bent like this, right? And I remember, like, I couldn't reach the, the top part because when you get to the top, you know, there's like a little bell that you ring. And so I'm down here, and, and, and I'm, I'm almost to the top, but I'm struggling because my, my muscles would not move, would not work. I was starting to be a little afraid because it was so high up. And my brother's like, just stand up. You, you don't have to do anything, but just stand up, and you will reach the hold. And I remember to this day, it was like 30 years ago, right? He's screaming at me in front of everybody, just stand up, you know, like all you have to do is stand up. What's wrong with you? And it was so funny because I couldn't stand up. And, and I was like, I just, I can't do it, David. I can't do it. You got to let me down. I'm not letting you down. You're standing up there all, you know, all the good stuff that brothers say to brothers. And so finally, I just, I gave up, leaned back. He pulled me down. And I remember looking at where I was at. I mean, I was like a foot away. All that I had to do was just stand up and grab the hold, and I was there. And it, it brought me to this story about goals. It brought me to this issue that you and I in this world have goals. In fact, we live in a very goal-oriented world. And like my brother, he was trying to allow me and to give me all the resources I need to, to get to the goal, to actually stand up and get to the goal. And, and so he's there telling me and he's encouraged me. And, and I think the world is, is, is moved and motivated by goals. At your job, do you have goals? Yes. When you wake up in the morning, are there goals that you kind of want to complete for the day? Anybody? I think, I think we're kind of this goal-oriented generation. We look at sports. Everybody, most everybody watches sports except Peyton. And so we, we, we and I just tell them about them. And so we, we watch sports, and in sports there's always a goal, right? Anybody? So the other day I was uh, at Olivia Grace's basketball game. And uh, all of a sudden, they're playing basketball, and they're shooting the baskets, and the girls are doing pretty well. Well, the girl on the other team decides that she forgot which goal was hers. Has anybody ever done this? Okay, so thank you, Dan. He said, no, I'd never do that. But this girl decides to shoot on the wrong basket, and she scores. 
I'm like, we'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, that's okay. But it's really not. Her coach was not happy about the fact that she forgot which direction she was going in and shot on the wrong goal. And I'll tell you, I feel like in this life, there are lots of goals. There are, a lot, there are lots of things that we can spend our whole life doing. And, and, and what I want to tell you, I want to make this statement, and I want you to hear me. Reaching the goal is only as significant as the goal is good. Okay, I want you I want to hear this. Reaching the goal is only as significant as the goal is good. For example, there's a lot of bad goals that you could set for your life that would equal nothing good. You understand that? Listen, you, you can hit the nail on the head, but if the board is rotten, the nail's not going to hold. Do you understand me? I mean, you, you can work all to, the, to your hands to the bone. You can do all these amazing things, but if the goal is not right for you, if the goal was something that was never intended for you, it can be completely wrong once you acquire the goal. Does that make sense? Listen, you can make excellent time heading in the wrong direction. Wow. Amen. Uh, today is kind of a harsh subject. Be, in, in love, because my wife says in love, but I'm loving you and I'm loving me. And God's saying, hey, Sam, you, you got to make sure that your goals are in line with my goals. Because if they're not, you're going to do a lot of things on your own and it's not going to equal anything in this lifetime. So I'm here to tell you as loving and gently as I can, even in the back row, I'm going to prod you along today for you and I to understand something very clear by the time that we're all, all done with this. And that is that God is a God of goals, but his goals a lot of times are different than our goals. And I want to be honest. I want to be loving as I can today. And I've got some things that I think is really going to help us. Look at one of Jesus's goals. He says in Mark 16, Verse 15, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, he's telling you that, right? He's telling you and I that, not just pastors, not just people that are, that are, that are working for a church, but all people. He says, go, and Paul's telling us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creations. And, and he, Paul says, even in here in Colossians 1.28, he says, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want to tell you, Paul understood something, that, that our jobs, your job, is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So when you think about goals, it's very clear what God's goals are. You know, we talked in weeks past about, about God. He, he says, listen, I want you to make the big thing the big thing. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. That's a pretty good goal, right? How hard is that goal when you don't like your neighbor? It's pretty hard, isn't it? But God says, I want you to go out and preach the good news to everybody you meet. So you got to love your neighbor. you got to love me. Listen, I think we need to examine our goals t today and, and, and figure out and begin to align our goals with God's goals. Because how many of us are so busy working on our own goals? Let's be honest. Come on, we want the most hits on Facebook. We want everybody to like our Instagram. We want the corner office. We want the best job making the most money. 
is any of that bad? No, 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 it's not bad. As long as we've got the goal in mind of our life, and then we utilize all those resources, we give it back to the source, which is Jesus. God will use our lives for that. Someone say amen. God has not, God has, excuse me, God has called us to reach the sin-sick people, right? Not, not, not just the, the, the people that are healthy. God says, I've come to, to help those that are dying. I've come to help those that are sick. You and I need to be getting busy reaching the sick people. Listen, we built our church on the, on the one fact that we better get busy filling these seats with non-believers, with people that are far from Christ, to give them an opportunity to, to meet Jesus in a way that changes their whole eternity, in a way that changes their whole life. We don't give people the stiff arm when they don't look like us or when they don't act like us. It's crazy, you know, people come into church and they don't act like a Christian because they hadn't met Jesus, and all of a sudden we think what horrible people they are. What do you expect? What do we expect in a non-Christian? We go to work and people do things, we're like, how could they do that? They're lost. Praise Jesus, i got to tell a joke. We're called to love them. God is all about completing his goals in our lives, but so often we don't participate in the process. And let me tell you why. There are three things today, you can write this down, three quick things on on lies that keep us from reaching our goal. All right? Three things. Make it real simple for you. I believe there are three things that keep you and I from reaching the goal that God has given to us. All right? Are we still with me? Everybody good? Number one, limitation. Everybody say limitation. The limitation lie is that what you start with is what you are stuck with. What you start with is what you are stuck with. If you were raised in a family that was broken, a lot of people feel limited. They feel like my life will always be broken because my parents were broken. You know, hey, bad things happen to me, so I'm always broken, I'm always hurt, I'm always limited. I don't know what to do with my life. Every time I try to do something, it ends bad. I just feel like this, this, this never-ending roller coaster of difficulty, and I don't know what to do. And, 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 and the, really, the definition of limitation is a, a shortage of what you need or a condition of limited ability. There are a lot of people that wake up immediately in the morning and feel like they're limited. They're limited by their boss. They're limited by their job. They're limited by their looks. They're limited by the wealth or the amount of money that they have in the bank. They're limited by all of these things from a mental perspective, and they're struggling just to stay above water so that they don't drown. Listen, that's the reality of a lot of people's lives. But God has not called us to be limited. Listen, let's look at the, the early church in and, and the book of Acts and how Jesus died, died on the cross. He rose again. He sent the Holy Spirit and said, you guys get busy preaching the good news to everybody you meet. So what did they do? They got busy preaching the good news to everybody they knew. And we look at the early church and we could think they were so limited. Listen, they didn't have microphones, right? They didn't have Facebook. Come on, somebody. They couldn't check in to let everybody know they were at church. They didn't have restrooms. You ever seen a porta potty in the Bible? I need a porta potty. No heat, no AC. We went to Oklahoma one time in, a, in the band and went to this small little town. And on the outside of the Pizza Hut, they said, We now have AC. And we're like, We're going there for lunch. Tough crowd. Praise Jesus. They didn't have coffee, they didn't have airplanes. 
You know, I wonder if Peter and John, if they could look at us today and what we have today. I bet they'd wonder how we can do so little with so much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we have so many opportunities. And yet the early church had nothing. All they had was the testimony of what God did in their lives. I'll tell you something. We have everything we need to be successful. Last week, we talked about the lame man. Do you guys remember? Just nod your heads, even if you weren't here. Maybe you watch it on the podcast. Or I don't want to make you feel bad. You can get the podcast. And we talked about the lame man and how Peter and John rolled up to the gate that day. And the lame man was sitting there by the power of God. He was healed. He was raised up. He began to jump around, dance around, tell everybody, look, I'm healed. And all the people were completely amazed because for 40 years, this guy was sitting by the gate. He was completely lame. All that he asked for was money. But Peter and John said, listen, I don't have any money, but what I do, I'll give to you. And they, he raised him up. And, and all of a sudden, they, they used this man as a, as a prop to tell everybody what Jesus had done. And, and the great thing that happened because of all of that was that Peter and John got thrown in jail. Praise Jesus. And they're sitting in jail. And the next day, um, the, the Sanhedrin or the, the, uh, the elect or the, the religious leaders brought them in and said, listen, we want to discuss with you what you just did yesterday because everybody's up in arms now. Everybody saw what dude, this dude named Jesus Christ did. We see here in Acts 4-7, to we're going to be talking a little bit about this story through this. It says here, they brought him in, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? We skip ahead to verse 10 and, and, and they tell him, they say, listen, then you know this, that all the people of Israel, it is, by the power, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you and, and is now healed. I love this picture because they ask him, why did you do this? And they said, listen, we did this by the power of Jesus Christ. You're the one who crucified him, so it's on you. But, but God did this and he works miracles and he does all these great things. And then we see here and they say, you're the one that crucified him. And, and what's great about this whole story is Peter and John are standing there and the dude that was healed was right behind him. And there's nothing they could say because the guy that was sitting there lame his whole life is now healed and walking. Just an interesting story that I want to portray to you because listen, we are not limited if we have Jesus. Because Jesus is the, is the defining factor of our lives. It's the thing that separates death from life. It's the thing that you and I must understand when we wake up in the morning, ready to face the day. We're not limited. We have everything we need in Jesus Christ. And some of us, I feel we need to remind ourselves, in fact, all of us need to remind ourselves daily that it is the power of Jesus Christ that allows us to not be limited, but to really walk in freedom and do great things. Do we understand that this morning? You and I are not limited. We cannot be stuck in our limitations, but allow God to use that to create great and mighty things. And listen to what they said in Acts 14. But since those men could not, could, because since those men could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say because they knew that Jesus had healed this man. It's an amazing thing when, when God changes your life now people get to see, and they, they, can't, they can't say anything about it because they see how you were before and how you are now. And it's an amazing blessing. It's an amazing testimony to God. Amen? 
Now, what is stopping you from obtaining the goal that Christ has set before you? Are you limited? We just found out. No, in God, God's limitless. Even though we might be finite, we might be limited in, in, in a few ways. We might not be able to speak very well. We might not be able to have all these things. But in Christ, we can do and have all of those amazing things. Listen, there was a guy back in the day in 1954. He was a runner. Before then, in all of history, they had never broken the four-minute mile. It was never broken. The reason is, is because they felt like that it was impossible to do. They felt like that your lungs would actually explode or that you would have a heart attack if you ran faster than the four-minute mile. And for all these years, nobody could break the four-minute mile. And in 1954, a guy named Roger Bannister actually broke it and ran a three-minute, 59-second mile. You know what happened after that? He was the first guy, there was one person to break it in 1954, which was him. In 1955, 37 people broke it. In 1956, 300 people broke it. Why? Because before that, everybody had limited thinking that they couldn't do it. And it was a mental block. It was a lifestyle block. It was a fear. They felt limited. They felt like they could never break it. And then one guy decided to break it and have the, the, enough gusto, enough gumption, enough um, you know, courage to get out there and break that. And then all of a sudden, people started breaking it. I want to tell you when, you, when you and I begin to understand our goal in life in Jesus, and we begin to walk in that, all of a sudden, miracles begin to happen. People begin to change. Lifestyles begin to change. People's hearts begin to change. Where there was once separation and division, there is now togetherness and unity. I mean, all of a sudden, God takes these people that are broken and abused and hurt, and he changes them to be whole people that can function, that can be reasonable, that can can be self-controlled. I mean, I just love what God does, and we, we cannot sit here and be limited. The second thing is intimidation. I believe intimidation holds us back from reaching the goal that God has for us. Listen to this. It's not the circumstances of life that intimidate you. It's the insecurities within. The lie of the evil one. Listen, sometimes it's not even the devil. Many times the enemy doesn't condemn us. We just condemn ourselves. We wake up in the morning. The devil doesn't have to do anything. We just wake up and go, I don't, I don't look good today. My hair's messed up. Ladies, Me? Anybody? I mean, come on. We wake up and we immediately just start feeling intimidated that we're, we don't measure up to our, our coworkers. We don't measure up to our spouse. We don't measure up to, 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 to the, our friends. We just, we don't have all of what they have, all of these things. Intimidation, listen, is when any voice tells you that you can't do what God has called you to do. And how many of you wake up in the morning, sometimes you're like, man, God, I can't do this today. I can't go to work and be a man of God because I'm just stressed out. I mean, there's so many of us that are so overwhelmed with goals that God never even put in our lives, never even asked us to fulfill. He just said, go and be a great employee. Go and act like Jesus at your work. That, I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest, uh, the craziest thing that, that, that I always have to remind myself is when I go in, I am representing Jesus. And what I say and what I do affects everyone around me. Let's not be intimidated, church. Listen, look at this intimidation when, when Peter 
and John hangs out when they, when they get taken there by all of these guys that are questioning them, uh, the, the religious elect, the elders of the church. It says here in Acts 4.16, what are we going to do with these men? All the religious leaders asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they had performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in, the, in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Listen, there is real intimidation in life that the enemy would love to intimidate you with on a daily basis. He would love to lie to you about your effectiveness. He would love to lie to you about your health. He would love to put fear into your hearts. He, that's what he does. And in that moment, these two men that, that were used by God to heal this man were standing in front of the Sanhedrin, um, all of these people, and they were saying, listen, I don't care what you do, but you better not preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Let me tell you who was actually intimidated. It, it was the Sanhedrin. Because they couldn't understand why this man who was lame for 40 years is now healed by the name of Jesus Christ. And I love Peter and John because they're like, yeah, no thanks. We're going to go preach. We're going to heal people. Lives are going to be changed. And you can't stop it. I want to tell you what happens when you and I decide to take a stand against the devil and say, "God, devil, we're not going to be intimidated by you, by your lies, by what other people say to me. By, by all the, the lies that the enemy would love to come and fill my heart with, I'm not going to do that. In fact, what I'm going to do is stand up for Jesus, and by me doing that, other people become intimidated when they're not following God. And I believe in that moment, you have an opportunity to, show, to share faith with people that are worried, that don't understand, that don't get it. You and I get to see differently because we're followers of Christ. Listen, the voice of intimidation is when anything that opposes the power of God in our lives tells us that we can't do it. The voice of intimidation says, don't try that again because that was embarrassing. Or, or you'll never measure up. Or who do you think you are? Listen, our culture is all about making a good impression. Your job is to go out and make everybody think you're awesome. Your job is to take the best photograph of you and put it on, on, on social media so that everybody loves the way you look. Everything is about going to, going to the job and, 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 and looking the best and acting the best and being perfect and kissing up to the boss and doing all these things, church, that, we can, we can, that they can consume us our whole life. But what is God's goal here? What, what does he think? While our culture is about making a good impression, God's goal is all about making a great impact. That's what God's goal is about. He wants your life to worry less about what you look like and how you act, but more just making an impact for God, doing something that shows the goodness of God to people at your jobs, the people to, to really loving your wife, loving your husband, to being faithful, to being people that love God enough to be faithful people in your walk with him and your walk with each other, to doing those types of things. Listen, we get all stressed out about making an impression, and we lose our ability to make a real impact. We can't do that. It's all about making an impact. When we make life about impact for God's kingdom, we are freed from being intimidated by the enemy and by people. Remember this, church, God, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 
The Bible says in Romans, the things that we are intimidated by are the things that Jesus died to put under our feet. Do you understand that? The things that intimidate us, God died on the cross so that you and I could put those under our feet and rise above that and walk right past all the intimidation of the enemy. It's about our goals. Where are we headed? Limitations, intimidation, and number three, expectation. It's not the expectation of others that intimidate you and and me. It's your expectations of yourself. I want to liken it like this. When Jesus told his disciples about going to the cross, what did they do? They argued with him. Why? Because their expectations said that, Jesus, you were going to be the king on earth. And we were going to sit right next to you on your, on your royal throne. And all of us were going to be these amazing people from a natural sense. Their expectations said that they deserved to be there. Because they had walked with Jesus for three years during his ministry. They had been faithful to leave their fishing, to leave um, um, their jobs, to leave being lawyers and doctors. They had been faithful to leave that and follow Jesus. And so their expectation was, man, God, you're going to hook us up. We're going to have the biggest house on the block. We're going to do all these great things. Their expectation was not right. Listen, the, the, the cross didn't meet their expectations. But what they didn't realize is that God would use the cross to save the world. You understand that? Sometimes our expectations on life, we, 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 we float around on a roller coaster because we thought it was supposed to be like this. And unfortunately, when you're at the top of the mountain, everything's great. But then when you're at the bottom, you feel like, why am I at the bottom? What did I do wrong? All these, all these unfulfilled expectations. But let me tell you, when God is the goal and God's goals are your goals, it, God is the same God on the top of the hill that he is in the valley, church. You got to understand that. You got to say, God, my, my goal is to do your will. To do what you ask of me. Listen, we need to see the letdowns as setups for God. God, this is an amazing thing. I want you to put up that slide I've got of all three of these. Limitation. Intimidation. Can you guys throw that up? Those three right there. Look at this. Limitation, intimidation, expectation. The three letters at the very beginning say lie. The enemy would love to lie to you today, church. Say it's all about your goals. It's all about what you want. Actually, church, I don't want the enemy to lie to you. When when God is stretching you, he's stretching you for a reason. He's stretching you to build strength in you, to fortify your life so that you can get through anything that's coming your way. And if we follow God's goals, if we follow what he tells us to do, and we don't, put, we don't put on him what we want. I know and believe and have seen in lots of people's lives and even in my own life that amazing things happen. Listen to what amazing things happen. Acts 4.13, Peter and John. These elect leaders, these, these guys that were the, the, the leaders in the, of the Sanhedrin, it says here, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been been with Jesus. Listen, as you reach for God's goals, people are going to stand up and take notice. Did you know that? They're going to say, that's just an ordinary person. Do you know this church is filled with ordinary people? Shock me. You're all ordinary. I am ordinary. 
But the great thing is, is when we have God's goals and God's heart and God's plans and we institute that in our lives, all of a sudden people take notice. Peter and John reached for God's goals and they found themselves in a tight place. Because like I told you before, it didn't end up in some super palace. It didn't end up with everybody liking them. In fact, they got thrown in jail that day. While they were still preaching, the Bible says. Wow, Lord, thank you. I've done all these great things for you. Now I'm going to jail. Thanks, but no thanks. Anybody? But you know, let me tell you something. God is with you through those situations. And listen, there is a reason for tight spots. There is a reason for discomfort. Because there is strength in the stretch. Our, our best growth occurs in tight places. My finances are tight. My situation is tight. My abilities are tight. But if we make the right moves in tight places, there's no limit to what God can do. Someone say amen to that. There is no limit. Listen, ask the butterfly if a tight place is a good place to actually have a metamorphosis. Ask the butterfly that sits there transforming from a caterpillar to a butterfly. If it's not a good place to sit in there and begin to work your wings so that you build strength. Why? Because he's wanting to build strength in that butterfly. So when that butterfly is strong enough to break out of that pouch, he's able to fly like he had never done before. There is strength in the stretch. Some of you are going to say, that's a great word, Pastor. I want all the good things, but, man, I really don't want to work. I don't want to have any difficulties in life. You're in the wrong business. Your neighbor needs you to stretch. Your coworker needs you to stretch past all of your goals. Pick up God's goals so you see the neighbor or the coworker like Christ sees them as a son and daughter that needs to get home, that needs to become a part of the kingdom of God. Listen, even Paul, the apostle Paul, who was the man before God came to his life. Listen to what he says here, Philippians 4, 6. He says, man, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, he's basically saying, listen, I did everything right. I fulfilled the law. I'm, I'm, I'm smarter than all of you. I'm better looking than all of you. I've done all these things, Paul says. Listen to this. Though I myself have reasons for confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, which means I'm, ti- I'm the Tiger Woods of Tiger Woods. I'm the Michael Jordan of all of basketball is what he's saying to all of these people and what he's saying to you and I. He has every reason to boast. It says here, I have more. Why? Because I was circumcised on the eighth day. Those are goals. If, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, I was persecuting the church like I was supposed to do. And it says here, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless, which means I was the man. I had it all in an earthly sense. I had goals, and I had completed those goals, Paul is saying. But listen, be careful not to reach for the wrong goals, because Paul is just saying here, I did. I reached for the wrong goals. I thought it was all about me. I thought it was all about my stature and, and, and how much money I made and my position of wealth and, and all of the things that, that so can enrapture our lives on a day-to-day basis, church. Let's be honest. Even Adam and Eve reached for the wrong goal. They had everything in the Garden of Eden, and yet they reached for the, the goal of selfishness. 
and they, they reached for the one thing that destroyed them. What are we reaching for today, church? Listen to what Paul says. He says, but whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul is saying, I've got a new goal, church. I've got a new way of life. It says here, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So Paul is telling all of us, listen, I've been there. I've been the richest man on the block. I've had all these things. And it's all a loss because God's goals are very different. And they produce much different results. Listen to this. I see a world a lot of times. Too many of us want to get to a place where we don't need God. We want to have plenty of everything. There's people that won't come to church on Sundays. Why? Because they're, they're saying, I, I want to get all this first, and then I'll come hang out with you guys. I want to make sure my job, my wife, my kids, my, my cars, my, my activities, I want to make sure all these things, I've got all these things first, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll come and hang out with God. Listen, you will never, <laughs> you will never be able to find happiness in trying to fulfill all this yourselves. Too many of us want to get to that place. It's the wrong goal. You can be moving fast in that way of life, and you will miss the purpose of your life. And no one will be affected in your life like you want them to be unless you pick up God's goals. Listen, is it wrong to have good things? I'm not saying that. It's the blessing of God. But my first priority is the goal that God has given me in my heart. I'm trying to make that plain to you. If you want to stretch, it's going to require you to lay some goals down and pick up God's goals. Paul said, I've had all those other things, but it's the person of Jesus that I really want. I want to show you guys something here. Quick video. We're almost done. I love you guys. It's a movie called Moneyball. Billy Bean was the baseball manager of the Oakland A's. They ended up going on a 20-game win streak, won their division. But ultimately, at the end of the movie, they lost the World Series. They hadn't reached their goal. And Billy Bean is sitting at the table with one of his right-hand guys. And it's at the time when baseball completely changed. It used to be about uh, instinct. It used to be about watching a player and knowing his skill. And all of a sudden, his right-hand man realized that it's all about numbers. It's all about, it's all about looking at it uh, from statistically and making good decisions from a graphical, statistical standpoint. And they were able to do a lot of great things, but Billy Bean is sitting there and he's upset because they didn't reach the goal. Let's watch this clip and we'll talk about it shortly. What a dumb. I really wanted to win here. I really did. I think you won pretty big, Billy. Pete, we lost. We lost. It's only been a few days. You got to give yourself some time to get over it. 
Man, I don't, I don't get over these things. Ever. Come with me to the video room. I want to show you something. No, man, I'm not for film right now. Come on, seriously. Come on, Billy, come on. The Visalia Oaks and our 240-pound catcher, Jeremy Brown, who, as you know, scared to run to second base. This was in the game six weeks ago. This guy's going to start him off with a fastball. Jeremy's going to take him to deep center. Here's what's really interesting. Because Jeremy's going to do what he never does. He's going to go for it. He's going to round first, and he's going to go for it. Okay? This is all of Jeremy's nightmares coming to life. Oh, they're laughing at him. And Jeremy's about to find out why. Jeremy's about to realize that the ball went 60 feet over the fence. He hit a home run and didn't even realize it. He hit a home run, and he didn't even know it. You know, I love the, that clip because the guy on the other team, the first baseman, was like, get up, man. You just hit a home run. As he was rounding second base, the, other, the player on the other team smacked him on the rear like, come on, buddy, you can do this. You know, I think for a lot of us, church, God has given us great things. And yet for a lot of us, we trip up on first base after we've hit the ball 60 feet over the fence. And I believe that the Lord is trying to get us to understand something that we're not limited. We can't be intimidated. We, we can't have wrong expectations of our, lives, of our life. We have to say, God, your goal is my goal. And, and what I have seen is that there are people that are very successful in life. And they understand that that, is, that that success is to be used for the purposes of God. I mean, I met a guy last week that, that uh, Corey told me about that, that he spends six months here working in the States, making finances, so that he can go to Africa for six months and invest and build, build orphanages and build schools. And he lives every day of his life for the goal of the kingdom. I just want to encourage you, whatever God has given you and put in your hand, realize you, you can't trip up on first base. But God has given you, you and I every ability. And he's saying, listen, you've hit the ball over the fence. Run with passion. Run with excitement. Run with confidence the race. 
But understand, it starts with you grabbing God's goal of, of going out and preaching to all the nations. Going out and living a life that, that, that says, I am following Jesus. I want to tell some of you moms, you're sitting here this morning, you're feeling like you failed as a parent. Because maybe your kids don't tell you that they love you. Listen, last Wednesday night, Cindy was telling us this great story about how her, her son says, Mom, I love you. You've done a great job. How great does that feel? Let me tell you, moms, you're a success. Whether you see it or not, what I find is we're the last people to see our own growth. And what I see is a church full of people that have grown in God, that are coming to church, that are faithful. I see a church full of people that want to do what God tells you to do. And that's exciting. That's awesome that we, we have hit a home run. And we don't have to be bogged down with first base. We don't have to be embarrassed. Paul said, you can't stop this. You can't stop me from preaching. It's not my situation that drives me. It's Jesus that drives me. And let me tell you something, church. You're not going to see the results of everything you do in the kingdom of God. Listen, the Bible says that when, when Peter and John were preaching is when the police came and grabbed them and threw them in jail. And while they were in jail, after they had preached Jesus, the Bible says that 2,000 people got saved. And Peter and John weren't even there to see it. The Bible says that 5,000 people were added. It had already had 3,000, and now it was at 2,000. There are a lot of things that you and I are not going to see. But what we have to do is be faithful to run the race that God has given us, to run the race and make His goals our goals. Can we do that today, church? Your, you, God has you at that job for a reason. And there are goals there that God wants to get in your heart on a daily basis so that you run with it, church. And God will be faithful to meet you every step of the way. You've hit the home run. we got to act like it, amen? Let's stand to your feet this morning. Paul says, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I believe if you and I today are reaching, that, reaching for that goal, we're doing the right things. But I also know that for some of us, in, 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 at any given day, we might be for reaching for a goal that God never intended us to reach for. I want to pray for you this morning. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I believe God is clear what we need to do. God wants to make an impact in the lives of people around us. But it starts with us saying, God, we're going to reach for your goal today. And God will be faithful to bless it. He'll be faithful to multiply it. As you sow, you will reap in the name of Jesus. But you got to say, Pastor, I need to reach for God's goal. If you're here today, I want to pray for those of you that would respond and say, Lord, I'm going to reach for your goal. I've been busy reaching for my own agendas. Maybe I just didn't really understand what I was supposed to do. And I believe God made it very clear today that it's our job to go out and preach the good news to everyone we meet, to bring people that are far from Christ home to, to the house with, where Jesus lives so that they can have what all of us have in Jesus. If you're here that say, Pastor, that's me, just quickly slip up your hand. I'm gonna pray that that goal would be very clear for you, that you're not sidetracked one way or the other, but that you are focused.
I see those hands this morning. God sees your hands and he sees your heart right now. And God is faithful to come and meet you and empower you by the Holy Spirit to say yes every day of your life to Jesus. Dear Lord, I lift up these wonderful people that have responded to your words, God. Lord, I pray today that you would guide them and direct their hearts as they've received your goal today. Lord, they are setting aside their agendas. They're setting aside things that that maybe were a sidetrack to them. Maybe they've been walking inadvertently down a path of destruction. And, And God, you've come today to give them a better way to give them a better future. God, you say that you give us a hope and a future and it's, and, it's, and it's in freedom in Jesus. So I pray for freedom for your people today that when they walk out of these doors, they will be filled with an understanding of their role in this life. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap today. Come on, somebody. Let me say this to you in closing. Don't ever quit on God. The fact that you're here says that you're not quitters. Don't ever quit on the plan of God for your life. Certainly there will be times where you're down and discouraged. That's okay. God will be there to hold your hand and pick you up. But I want to tell you, you're not quitters in this place. You're people that understand the call of God on your life. And you understand where you're going in Jesus. And God will be faithful to follow and be with you, hold your hand, and walk you through every step of this life. If you're here this morning and you need to give your heart to God, I want you to close your eyes. If you're here, I want to give you one moment to say, God, I've not even been on the path. I need to give you my life. I need to ask Jesus into my heart for the first time. We're not going to embarrass you. What we're going to do is we're all going to say the sinner's prayer together. And then what we're going to do is get you a Bible. We're going to communicate with you how to walk with Christ. We're going to invite you to our ownership class. We're going to invite you to be a part of Champion Church and what we're doing in our community. If you're here and you want to raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to say a quick prayer and start my journey. Just quickly slip up your hands. I always want to give you an opportunity today to meet Jesus. Amen. Is there anybody who would say, that's me this morning? Before we leave, it's the most important thing you're going to do in this life is give your heart to Christ. Anybody here? Praise God. Say one quick prayer. One more prayer. God, we're not quitters in you. We love you. We thank you that you've given us everything we need. Thank you that we've hit a home run today. We don't have to trip up on first, second, or third base, but we can walk in confidence. I pray for confidence like never before in your people. I pray this week we would be doers of your word that found people, find people, that we would go tell people the good news, that we would invite them to church, that we would be a part of the solution in this world and not part of the problem, that we would walk with understanding and wisdom and faith and knowledge today. Thank you for making us champions today. God, thank you for what you've done. Let us be bold in our witness. Let us be bold in telling people we have you and we have everything we need. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I want you to come and talk to my wife and I or anybody that's on this stage. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to lift you up in any of the things that you need prayer for. We are the body of Christ and we are connected. Amen. Okay, that about does it for this week. Tune in next week for our third message in the Stretch Mark series. Have a blessed one.